Hello and welcome to P4A's Let's Talk Rare monthly podcast. Every month, we at Partners for Access bring to you some of the most important news developments in the orphan drug and cell gene therapy world and what they mean to you. Hello and welcome to the show. In 2020, while the world was battling pandemic, China's pharmaceutical market quietly crossed an important milestone. A Deloitte report cites that the Chinese market was expected to grow its pharmaceutical market volume in 2020 to $220 billion, becoming the second largest market after the United States. The commercial potential for such a market is huge, driven by strong economic growth when compared to Western economies, and rising health demands. So what do we know about the Chinese market? More importantly, it's often drug potential. To unravel some of these mysteries, I have with me today P4A's analyst, Vicentos Tiliano, who has recently worked on several projects in the region and is focused on China. So Fis, break this down for us. What do we know about the healthcare system in China? China's healthcare system differs a lot to the West. For example, in the UK, you have universal healthcare system. In Germany, you have a national social health insurance. But in China, on the other hand, it's currently a two-tier system where regulations are primarily led by the national government, which is also where the broad budget for rare diseases come from. And it also has provincial governments, as well as local hospitals, that are the key decision makers for access. In China, 95% of the patient population has public health insurance and their access to drugs is determined by the NRDL. This is the National Reimbursed Drug List. The NRDL includes a list of therapies that are partially or fully reimbursed for eligible patients on public health insurance. And this list contains two types of drugs. You've got class A drugs, that are those which are commonly used, low price, fully reimbursable. And on the other hand, you've got class B drugs that are not fully reimbursed. They have an out of pocket percentage, that is the cost borne by the patient, and these typically are innovative drugs or drugs that have high costs. Okay, so what would you say are the key challenges for an orphan drug manufacturer when approaching the Chinese market? One of the key challenges is the NRDL. Historically, it's not been very transparent, it's been quite slow to update, and this meant that it's taking orphan drugs and drugs for rare diseases um, a long time to get actually onto the NRDL list. In the past, NRDL updates have been very infrequent, with only four updates between 2001 and 2017. Until 2019, the reimbursed drugs list has had two levels, the national and provincial. In this case, each province could cut up to 15% of the drugs on this NRDL list. However, For class B drugs, provinces must now abide by the NRDL. In 2020 and 2021, we saw seven drugs each year come into the market for rare diseases. In 2021, just under 10% of all drugs added to the list were actually those for rare diseases. The limited number of orphan drugs coming to the NRDL might not suggest much, but the time to market is interesting as it has substantially improved over the last few years. For example, in 2019, the average time it took for a rare disease drug to come to the market was around 87 months. And this has been improved to around 18 months in 2021. For example, Takeda's Ferazir 
an innovative drug for hereditary angioedema that was included in the NRDL seven months after its approval in China. And you can actually compare that to sometimes in Western markets. Okay, so now let's take an example. The most recent one is Spinraza. It's a treatment for spinal mus muscular atrophy. This gene therapy has been approved in Western economies and recently introduced in China. How has the journey, commercialization journey, been like? So Spinraza was subject to many headlines due to its high price in China. And just a bit of background, spinal muscular atrophy, it's a, a rare disease characterized by muscle atrophy or weakness. And it affects around 30,000 to 50,000 patients in China. Originally, Spinraza gained marketing approval in China in 2017. And per injection, it was priced at around $110,000. And this was in the private market. It's also worth noting, though, that Spinraza is given three times a year after its initial loading dose. And the price actually was slightly lowered to around $86,000 after patient assistance programs were in place. However, of course, the, the price per patient per year will be a lot higher than this. And of course, most families in China are unable to afford Spinraza at that price. So Spinraza's entry into the NRDL didn't come without costs. According to China Central Television, Biogen initially made an offer during negotiations of around $8,000. However, after many more rounds of negotiations, the price was lowered to just over $5,000 and Biogen actually accepted that. And this equates to around a 95% price cut. So a huge amount of compromise from Biogen in this case. However, on the plus side, they do now have access to those 30 to 50,000 patients, which is no doubt why they accepted this price. And in terms of uptake, after being included in the NRDL, Spinraza has actually been listed in 34 provincial procurement platforms. So it has um, made some progress in accessing the Chinese market. Excellent compromise for Biogen then. Other therapies for rare diseases actually, for example, CAR-Ts like Yescarta, they were found to be too expensive according to the authorities. And, and Yescarta in this case was priced at around $188,000 and they didn't make it onto the, the NRDL list. Great. So what are the incentives that orphan drug manufacturers can expect in China? In 2018, China released its official rare disease catalogue with 121 diseases on the list. And this equates to around 20 million patients in China, although there are some sources that suggest these figures may be underestimates due to the lack of diagnosis. However, in 2021, China has updated its definition of a rare disease, and this may have implications for those 121 on the catalogue. In this change of definition, the threshold for incidents amongst newborns has been lowered, as well as the prevalence of a disease uh, of diseases for the broader population, for which there has to be an affected population of less than 140,000. Given this change in definition, we do expect in the future that this list may be revised, potentially increasing the diversity of rare diseases, potentially increasing population coverage, placing an increased emphasis on neonatal diseases. As for incentives for rare disease drugs, a number of policies have been rolled out. This ranges from encouraging research and development, 
to speedier regulatory approval. For example, rare disease drugs subject to priority review, and they can actually save up to about 130 workdays. The time it takes normally um, for a non-rare disease drug could be up to around 200 workdays. Therefore, the benefit is quite substantial. And this actually brings the timelines down to what you might expect from Western markets. Rare disease drugs may also be subject to conditional approval, and they may also actually use real-world evidence that's been collected in China to support the regulatory decisions. And in, in the case of real-world evidence, this might be used by drugs that have entered China through the private market. Over time, they can then use this data to help them apply and make progress through the NRDL process. I will say that access and affordability have always been major, major hurdles for rare disease drugs in China. And this is due to a number of gaps in disease awareness, diagnosis, treatment expertise, patient populations that are dispersed, and there's various affordability challenges. And together, these all factor in to limit access to rare disease patients. That sounds like a really comprehensive assessment. Listen to us. Thank you very much. So there you have it. Despite the challenges of getting your drug listed onto the NRDL, despite the affordability challenges, despite the pricing challenges, China still represents significant opportunities of untapped potential for orphan drug and cell and gene therapy manufacturers. To learn more, read our blog on our website, www.partnersforaccess.com forward slash insights. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. That's it for this month. For more Partners for Access Insight and analysis, please go to our website, www.partnersforaccess.com. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to leave a review. We would love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.